Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the fourth and final message in our series called Did Jesus Really Say That? Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. So good. Uh, when, I, when I started this series, I had no idea that it would be uh, mostly in Luke chapter 12, but uh, we're going to stay there again today. Uh, so if you've missed any part, you can check them out online. But Luke 12 is what I want to read from today. I'm going to read this passage of scripture, then you guys can uh, be seated. Don't worry, we don't stand forever. Um, unless I start preaching, you can stand up. That's what I told Kim. Kim said, it's kind of cold in here. I said, that means you got to get loud. Um, so Luke chapter Luke chapter 12, verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much, someone say, how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Skipping ahead two verses, verse 29, Jesus says, so do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well as well. Um, I was going to just give this title a little bit of a, um, of a gangster title. I was going to call it, Don't Worry About It. You guys have people in your life, you ask them something like, don't worry about it. But uh, just instead, I decided to call this message, uh, How to Fight Worry. How to Fight Worry. You guys can be seated. Um, can we just give a round of applause for Jesus, for the worship team? So pumped that uh, you guys could be here. Um, so as I mentioned, we're in a series uh, called Did Jesus Really Say That? And what we're doing in this series is we've just been um, going through hard teachings of Jesus. And I hope uh, that this series has been life-giving. Um, I hope maybe even life-changing. I hope it's been challenging for a lot of us. Um, and we've just, like I said, just been challenged by Jesus. Now, if you guys were with us, I'll give you guys a quick recap. Uh, week one... We talked about the cost, of follow, the cost of following Jesus. How if you want to follow Jesus, it's actually going to cost you something. Week two, uh, we talked about this question, who do you fear? Do you fear people or do you fear God? Again, super challenging. And last week, we talked about greed. Anyone hear the greed message last week? Yeah. A few people. Um, actually, a lot of feedback. Um, a lot of people were telling uh, me that message spoke to them, spoke to their hearts. And so, hey, Jesus is doing amazing things. Today, we're finishing up our series by talking about worry. We're going to talk about worry. Now, um, as, as we get started, I want to ask a question. Um, I know there's a few people, but anyone really into like working out, like lifting weights? A few people. Johan, keep your shirt on. Um, <laughs> um, I used, to, I used to exercise a little bit, work out. Um, now, when you, when you work out, when you really get into it competitively, um, there, there's a, a couple of different tracks that you can go down. Now, one of the tracks that you can go down is that you can train for physique or you can train for strength. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so, like, when you train for physique, it's, it's kind of all about looking good, right? Like, you got, like, a little bit of the definition. You might have, like, the washboard stomach. Like, ladies, calm down. Like, just... <laughs> You look good. That's what it's like when you train for physique. Now, when you train for strength, 
is not necessarily about what you look like, but it's about how strong you are. Now, the interesting thing about physique is if you train for physique, you're going to go to the gym, obviously, you're going to do some things. But at the end of the day, you can actually look really good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're strong. Like, you can look really good, you can be chiseled, you can be defined, but you might not have any practical strength. So you can have a six-pack, but when it comes to lifting a couch with your friend, you might not have any advantage over him. Whereas it comes to strength, like, strength is very practical, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you look like, you're strong, and so if someone needs you, you're there. And so I was just thinking about this idea of physique versus strength and how it related to our spiritual life, and I began to wonder, how many of us, when we follow Jesus... Our following of Jesus kind of looks like physique training. And what I mean by that is that if people saw us on the outside, they'd be like, oh my gosh, that person looks really good. Like they come to church, they got their notebook, they even got like a cross tattoo. Like that person has it going on. But I I began to wonder how many of us only have it going on on the outside, but what's on the inside doesn't necessarily match up. And I began to to, to think and I began to believe that Jesus, when he comes into our life, Jesus did not just want to change us on the outside. He doesn't want to just affect our exterior. I believe that Jesus actually wants to change change us from the inside out. And I, I just have this belief that when we follow Jesus, he actually wants us to have a practical faith. And what a practical faith looks like, it means I follow Jesus and it actually affects my life. I follow Jesus and my life is actually tangibly different. It's tangibly different. Jesus wants to give us a faith that is transformative. And what we've seen in this series as we followed the words of Jesus is that what Jesus wants to do is to change us. And the way that he does that is really by pushing back many times against the natural inclinations of our heart. In other words, if I lean one way, Naturally, or if culture leans one way, Jesus wants to push us in the opposite direction. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus is going to do the exact same thing. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about worry. And I believe that today is going to be so helpful for many of us because I think that worry is something that so many of us struggle with. And and again, what I want us to see is that the way in which Jesus deals with worry, I believe, is going to be different than the way in which culture deals with worry. Because I just have this belief. We all can talk about it now. It's kind of out there, like I struggle, I'm, I'm worried, all of these things. But at the end of the day, one of the things I've kind of noticed that when culture speaks about worry, there's almost a sense of hopelessness. In, in, in the sense that this is just something that all of us deal with. It's a struggle. In fact, um, in some cases, it's virtuous to be worried. It just means you're a hard worker. But the words of Jesus, Jesus simply says, do not worry. And so what that lets me know is, number one, that Jesus commands us not to worry. In other words, it's not an option. It's a command. And with that, and because he commands it, I believe that Jesus also gives us some tools for how we can actually fight back against worry. Now, for any of us, again, that, that deal with worry, you'll know that worry doesn't come alone. Worry brings friends. Anxiety, stress, fear. Worry is quite the party. And so for any of us, and for many of us, especially in this last season of life that have been dealing with these emotions, these stresses, these anxieties, these worries, it can kind of almost seem simplistic. 
for Jesus to simply say, do not worry. Like, it's easy for you to say, Jesus, but you don't know what I've been going through. You don't know what it's like in my head. It's easy to say, but like Jesus, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. But as I said, I believe that if Jesus commands it, I believe that to live a life not free of worry, because there will always be worries in life, but a life that is not dominated by worry, a life that is not dominated by anxiety, I believe that is actually attainable. Now, I, I should caveat by saying, I think for a lot of times, church, Christianity, um, and mental health have had kind of a complicated relationship. And a part of it comes from this idea, well, if I follow Jesus, like you're blessed, so you should not be stressed. If you follow Jesus, you should not have worry. You should never feel anxiety. But when I look at the words of Jesus, I think by the very fact that Jesus commands us not to worry, commands us not to be anxious, I think that alone presupposes that Jesus knew you'd probably be anxious. You'd probably be worried. If you were never to experience worry, never to experience anxiety, as soon as Jesus came into your life, you would never need to command it. But the very fact that he commands it lets us know that it's something that we're going to deal with. And for most of us in this room, I would say we've dealt with it and or are dealing with it. But I think the beauty is this, especially when it comes to church, if Jesus says it, we don't need to be ashamed of it. Because a lot of times there's been this kind of this, this veil of shame, like I shouldn't feel this way. But Jesus presupposes that we will feel this way. But because he does, I think that he actually gives us a path out. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to give us some tools for how we can fight worry. And the reason I wanted to call this message how to fight worry is because I want us to understand, for, for some of us, the fight's going to be kind of small. Anxiety is on a big part of our life. But for some of us, it's going to be the fight of our lives. And I believe that Jesus will give us the tools to fight back against all of these things, worry and all of her friends. Um, and I think a part of what we're going to do is we're going to change our strategy. Because I think for a lot of us who've been praying, it's like, God, just please get this worry out of my life. God, please free me from anxiety. But I began to wonder this week, what if we're praying the wrong prayers? And, and that just doesn't go for worry. It goes for a whole bunch of things, right? Maybe some of us struggle with lust. God, just get rid of this lustful thoughts in my head. God, just give me free. What if we're praying the wrong prayers? What if we begin to need to begin to pray, not so much God, get rid of these things, but God, give me the tools to fight. I don't know how many of you guys have been praying this week, God, get rid of the heat. <laughs> Didn't work. But maybe what you should have been praying is, God, give me wisdom for how I can fight against this heat. Here's some free advice. Walmart, just like walk around for hours on end. But, but for real, what if we began to change our prayers? What if instead of saying, God, just restore my marriage, God, restore my relationship, what if we began to say, God, give me some tools so I can learn how to fight in this thing? God, give me, give me the wisdom, give me the direction so I can begin to fight against worry. So I want to do this morning is I want us to have a couple tools that I think will help us in our fight against worry. So, um, are you guys ready to go this morning? Yeah. Awesome. So, I'll give you guys some context if you missed it last week because we've been going through Luke chapter 12. So, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus, um, the verses we saw last week, he was talking about greed. Uh, and, and really what he said at the end, he said, uh, the reason we shouldn't be greedy is because life uh, is short. It could be taken away from you at any moment. And so he says, therefore, be rich with God. 
be rich with God. And we talked about last week going above and beyond for God, not just the bare minimum. What if we began to live rich for God? That's where we ended and we're picking up. Everyone following? So Luke 12, 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus goes right from greed to worry. I don't, and I'll talk about that in a second. But when we look at his words right here on the surface, again, it can kind of seem like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Because at the very end of the day, I don't know about you guys, but I do need food. Like, I like my body to be filled, nutrition, uh, nutritionized. <laughs> Just making up words. So it can kind of seem like simplistic, right? And the truth is this. If I haven't eaten for a little while, I may not be worried. I'll be hangry. If you, if, you, if you literally haven't eaten for a long time, you'll actually be worried. Where's my next meal coming from? And so it can kind of seem like, Jesus, this is simplistic, but what we need to understand, and here's a little tool for when you read scripture, um, if something doesn't make sense on the surface, make sure that you try to go beneath the surface. Make sure you actually look at the words what Jesus actually says. You see, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Why? Because life is more than food. More than the body. He doesn't say these things aren't important. He just says there's actually more to life than that. There's more to life than just food. There's more to life than just your physical body. You see, and I think intrinsically we know this to be true. But a lot of times we try to attach our worry, we try to attach our anxiety, our stress to something that is tangible, to something that is physical. Well, maybe the way I feel is because I don't have X, Y, Z. But what Jesus is trying to let us know is that all of your physical needs can be met, but you can actually still have worry. Anyone ever been there where you have a roof over your head, you know exactly where your next meal is coming from, you actually have a great paying job, yet you still feel stressed, you still feel anxious, you still feel worried? That's what Jesus is saying. And a lot of times, like kids, teenagers, like never before are experiencing anxiety, depression, worry. And for a lot of parents, they don't understand it. It's like, I put a roof over their head. I, I, I make them food. Like, how could they ever deal with these things? Well, what Jesus is trying to let us know is that life is more than just the physical. So here's the first thing I want us to understand as we fight against worry. We need to understand that we are more than just physical beings. We are more than just physical beings. This is important because although we may know this, so often we try and solve all our problems by something that is physical. In other words, if I feel a certain way, maybe it's because I don't have enough. Maybe I just need more clothes. Maybe I need a better house. Maybe I need a better job. Maybe I need a better spouse. Maybe I need better kids. <laughs> but the answer isn't always physical. And here's how we know this is true. If worry was only physical, a place that we live in, such as Canada, St. Albert, Edmonton, we should be disproportionately filled with joy, peace, happiness, all that stuff. But what's the reality? The reality is it's the opposite. 
for people that seemingly have it all, and I'm making a generalization, but the majority of people here know exactly where their next meal is coming from. The majority of people have clothes. A lot of us have jobs. We have money. We actually even have savings account. And so if our lives were purely physical, we should be disproportionately filled with happiness, peace, so on and so forth. But in the beginning of 2021, a study came out. United States, United Kingdom, and Canada ranked one, two, three in terms of overall depression and sadness. How, how could countries that are affluent, America, the United Kingdom, Canada, how could we rank so high in terms of overall negative mental health? Well, maybe the words of Jesus are actually true. Maybe Jesus knows something that modern medicine is kind of just figuring out, that we are not one-dimensional beings, that we don't just have a body, we actually have a mind, and we have a soul. There's a spirit. There's more to us. What if God, who was our creator, he actually knows us, and so we're fine-tuned the way he wanted us to be fine-tuned? And what if when he said the need is more than physical, what if he just knew what he was talking about? And I just love a lot of times when science and when statistics catch up to what Jesus has already been saying. We're more than just physical beings. Now, I'm going to talk about physical a little bit in this message, but I really want to talk about the mind and the spirit. Um, But here's the truth. Obviously, we have physical needs. If you haven't eaten in a while, I encourage you. Um, We got got muffins for you in the back if you want. Um, It's it's a literal need, right? Um, Those are a literal need. And the truth is, though, um, I think we know that. And that's why I don't want to spend a whole lot of time there because for a lot of us, the majority of our life is trying to to meet those physical needs. I get a job so I can pay my mortgage, so I can have a house, so I can buy food, so on and so forth. But as Christians, I want us to understand that we are more than just physical beings. There's, there's a soul in us, our minds. And so the question I want to ask today is as Christians, how do we fight to protect our minds? How do we fight to protect our souls, to protect our spirits? Now, as I said, modern medicine is, is a lot of times catching up to, I think, where Jesus has always been. And so they'll let you know that, that yeah, there, there's more than just the physical. There's, there's, there's the emotional, the spiritual. You have to do all of these things. And, and I think all that stuff is really good. But I actually believe as Christians, we actually have a distinct advantage, especially when it comes to fighting the spiritual, especially when it comes to fighting for our mind. You see, one of the things that, 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 that um, culture, society, medicine is telling us is that we need rest, right? You actually need rest. You can't go a thousand hours a week. It's just impossible. But I think one of the ways that the Bible teaches it and Jesus teaches it is actually different from how society teaches it. Because the big thing with society now is the me day, right? Hashtag self-care Sunday, all that good stuff. And it's like, listen, the biggest issue in your life is you just need a me day, You need a day that is centered on you, where you focus on you, just you, 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 you. I have this deep-seated belief that if you take a me day all about you, you're going to come out worse on the other side. Because I'm going to be honest, if you wake up one day and say, it's me, it's me day, self-care, and you stay in bed all day, and you watch Netflix all day, and you scroll through TikTok all day, and you think only about yourself, I think you will actually come out more tired than how you came in. And so you need to understand, if you're tired, you need rest. You do. But you don't need a me day. 
and the way that as, as, as followers of Jesus, we do rest differently. We do me days differently. A me day is not focused solely on me. It's actually taking the focus off me and putting it on someone else. And that other person is Jesus. And so you need a self-care day, but on that day, you need to go to Jesus. You need to not look inwards. And I would suggest perhaps the reason you're feeling worried and anxious is because most of the week is focused inwards. And as beings, we were not actually created to look inwards. We were created to look outwards. We were created for something more than ourselves. And so the best thing that we can do on those days where we feel exhausted, where we feel like worry is overtaking us, maybe you need to take a step back, maybe you need to slow down, and maybe you need to connect to something outside of yourself. And I believe that Jesus is that person that we need to connect with. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling worthless, I'll tell you what you don't need. You don't need someone to send you an inspirational quote and telling you how much of a slayer you are and how strong you are and how independent you are and how worthy you are. Because at the end of the day, if there is nothing beyond those words to connect a truth to, how do we know it's true? And how can I read a quote that says, I'm worthy, I'm loved, when I don't feel it myself? And so a part of what we need to do and a part of how we guard our minds and guard our souls is we connect to something greater than us. And that thing that is greater than us is God in heaven, is our Father in heaven. And when we understand that, when we understand that there is someone above us that actually chose us, that actually loves us, that actually gives us value. Listen, I have two baby girls, and um, I know you all love them because everyone's holding them at church and all that good stuff. Um, But at the end of the day, at the very, very end of the day, no one could care about them. No one could notice them, but I'll always notice them because I'm their father. And no matter what anyone does, no matter what anyone says about them, they have value. Why? Because I think they're valuable. And you need to understand something. The moment someone thinks you're valuable, that automatically gives you value. Go on Facebook Marketplace, doesn't matter what the price is. It just takes one person. If one person thinks it's valuable, it's valuable. And you need to understand something. I came here to tell someone today that doesn't feel worthy, that doesn't feel valuable. I'm just an earthly father, and so my love for them is nothing compared to the heavenly father. And every single one of us in this room, you have a heavenly father that loves you deeply, that loves you infinitely, that loves you more than you could ever think, ever dream, ever imagine, that loves you so much he gave his one and only son for you. And when I understand that, that's where my value comes from. And so when I begin to read those things, I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm valuable. There's some substance behind it. Because that's what we need is substance. I need to find out what Jesus says about me. Can I tell you something? What's the best thing you can do from your mind is find out what God says about you. How do I do that? Three ways. Pray. Read. Read the word, read the Bible, and connect with community. And one of the amazing things about community, one of the amazing things about church, is if I don't feel it, I can have someone that can speak truth into me. I have someone that's a phone call away to say, hey, listen, that's not true. 
what you're feeling right now, that's not you. You are loved more than you could ever imagine. Come on, somebody. One of the reasons we come to church, one of the reasons I come up here and say, let's declare that again, is because I know there's someone out there singing the song, saying, I don't feel it. And I said, hold on one second, let's sing it again until you feel it, until you believe it, that Jesus is provider, that he loves you. So I need community. I need people that will speak truth into me. Colossians chapter 3 says it like this. He says, therefore, this is Paul, since you've been raised with Christ, strive for the things above. This is really interesting because if you've been raised with Christ, you've accepted Jesus. And you could automatically think, if I've accepted Jesus, if I'm with Jesus, my life is perfect. I always think good things. No, Paul says strive because you can be saved but you can still be insecure. And so I need to strive for things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So how do I I, I actually self-care? I don't think about me. I don't think about the things. I think about something above. I go to things above. Because what I realize is there's nothing in me that's going to give me worth, that's going to give me value, that's going to make me feel better. I need something above. So the question I want to ask is this. For those of us that have been overcome by worry, anxiety, stress, where has your mind been focused? Where have you set your sights? Have you set it above? Or have you been setting on things below? Because the truth is, is I just have this belief. That if we do not set our things, our, our mind, our eyes on things that are above, the things that are below are coming, whether we want it or not. Worry is coming, whether we want it or not. Anxiety, anxiousness is coming, whether we want it or not. So the question is, where have I been focused? So I want to give you, and if you guys have been to church, Kingdom Church, um, you'll hear this before, but I'm going to beat this dead horse until it's really, really dead. One of the best ways to set your mind on things above is what you do first thing in the morning. Where, how, where and how do you start your day? Because if you start your day scrolling through the TikTok algorithm, I can tell you how the rest of your day is going to go. It's going to be filled with comparison. It's going to be filled with emptiness. It's going to be filled with mindlessness. If you begin your day on your emails, just checking on on work, what's your mind... The rest of my day is going to be filled with stress, worry. I'm going to feel like I don't have enough time. But what if we could begin to start our days with Jesus? Every single day, every single morning, we set our mind on things that are above. And and so it is so, so easy. All you have to do, three things again, pray, read. And I mean, you can connect with people. I'll make it two. That one's different. Read, pray, worship. Three things. You don't have to do all three at once. You can do one. Because maybe you enjoy praying more than you do reading. Or maybe you enjoy worshiping. The simplest thing to do when you get ready, put on a YouTube video. Listen to some of the songs we listen to here. Set your mind on things that are above. On truth. You see, I said it again, but I promise you, if you don't look up, something from below is coming. And something from below is coming that wants to throw off our days. That wants to fill us with anxiety. That wants to fill us with worry. 
despair, hopelessness. But as I said, I believe that Jesus wants to give us the tools to fight back. And I think one of the simplest tools we can do is to start our days with Jesus, to set our minds with him. But Harrison, I I work so early, wake up earlier. That's hard. I know it's hard, but so is living with worry. And so is that constant weight that so many of us walk around with, that invisible shadow. That's hard too. And so sometimes if we want victory, it means that I actually have to fight. It means I have to sacrifice a little bit. It means I might need to cut some things out. Here's a crazy one. It means I might need to go to bed earlier. Just one more episode. There was a study, um, and this study is really in beta still because it's brand new. Um, And so they they won't um, publish any of these statistics because they need more time. Um, But one thing they found was that during the pandemic, uh, which maybe over here, don't know, um, but in a lot of the world still going on. uh, But what they found was that in the pandemic, as you guys can imagine, screen time went through the roof like literally through the roof. And um, they did a study with, with people 18 to 24. And in the study, what they found was that um, the pandemic, all that stuff, um, it actually didn't really affect their fear and anxiety as much as they thought it would. It affected it marginally and in some ways a healthy amount. However, what they found in this study that was so fascinating is that the biggest thing that they could find was that when screen time went up for entertainment, Social media and and school was the third one because that went through the roof as well. Um, There was a direct correlation between anxiety, depression, and screen time. And you guys would not believe entertainment and social media, how much it went up during the pandemic. Some of you guys like, Harrison, my phone reminds me every Sunday, I know. But what they found was that the screen time, the higher the screen time was, the more anxious people felt. And so really, the the study, this is the the final finding, was the increase and change in screen time use for entertainment pre and during COVID is associated with increased anxiety scores. You guys are way too silent. (laughs) So what they found was that screen time actually increases anxiety. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, have you been saying that? Maybe. (laughs) So what do we do? What do we do? Because for a lot of us, it's like, Harrison, you you don't understand. Like, I love Instagram. I love Facebook. I love the algorithm. I love YouTube. Like, it actually actually makes me feel better. Like, there's there's actually hope there. Like, it actually, it's it's good for, like, Harrison, I like it. Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know how to cut it off. I actually enjoy it. I was listening, um, I was driving with my brother this week, listening to a podcast, he fell asleep, um, and in his words, he said, that was the worst podcast I've ever heard. Um, it wasn't that great, but when I listen to things, all I need is one thing. One thing stuck out to me. Um, this guy was talking about in the fifth century um, in, in the Roman Empire, uh, Roman Empire, mighty empire. He said one of the things that the, the, the higher class, the upper class did um, was they built lead pipes in order to bring water to them. So because of the upper class nature of things, um, it made things convenient, easy, all that good stuff, but it was only for the upper class. The lower class had to do with the hard way from the wells, rivers, all that stuff, but the upper class had lead pipes. Now, what they didn't realize was that lead is poisonous to you. 
And so what they found over time was that the upper class was getting all sorts of diseases. And in many cases, people were actually dying. And so what he said in the fifth century, he said the most ironic thing was what took out the Roman Empire, at least the elite in the Roman Empire, was they actually died from the very thing that they thought was giving them life. Water. And this is what he said. This is all I needed. He said, I began to wonder if what if 20 years from now, social media is the lead pipe of our time? What if the thing that so many of us think gives us life is actually slowly killing us? That's all I needed. My brother's snoring at this point. (laughs) Can I tell you something, church? Can I tell you something, young people, older people, everyone on media? What if that thing that you think is giving you life is actually killing you? What if the reason you're so worried is not because of this is who you are? What if it's because we've actually been filling ourselves with things that are not actually good for us? And what if Jesus is right when he says we're we're, we're rounded people? It's not just physical. Our minds need to be guarded. Our spirits need to be guarded. Did you guys know comparison can actually kill? Can kill our joy? can kill our peace. It can kill our contentment. Did you know when we see things and we think that my life should be like that, it actually sucks life away from us? What if the thing that we thought was giving us life was actually killing us? And so I want to encourage you. What do I do, Harrison? What if you need to cut it off? This is radical. What if you need to delete the app? Whatever your app of choice is. Harrison, I have self-control. No, you don't. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, you guys have been there. I'm going to spend a little less time this week. And all of a sudden, like I'm 45 minutes in, it's like, how did I even get here? I don't even cook. Why am I watching this? And whatever, whatever you get caught up in. What if you need to cut it off? Here's a radical thing. What if you need to cancel that subscription? Because what if the battle for your mind was not a war you wanted to lose? Now, I want to speak on something, and I don't usually speak on this, but it's happened three times this week already, and I know it's happened to a ton of us in the last 18 months. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that we have an enemy. And he says, the enemy comes to seek, to kill, and to destroy. Now, how does an enemy wage war against us? especially when it comes to our minds, when it comes to worry, when it comes to anxiety, if we have most of our physical needs met. Simple. He goes for the other things, the spirit, the mind. And for far too many of us, our spirits and our mind are left unattended. They're open. And what happens when it's open is it becomes the devil's playground. Now you need to understand something. The devil does not have any power, really. It's muted power. But the truth is, he's still seeking to kill and destroy. And I just happen to believe that for so many of us, the devil is actually speaking to you. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, Harrison, how do I know the devil's speaking to me? Really simple, the devil has a tell. He speaks to you in the second person. You. 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 What does it sound like? It's that voice says that you are not worthy. You are not enough. Your life is not worth living. You will always be stuck in that. 
You will always be an addict. That is just who you are. Three times this week, and I know for many of us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that voice, and for far too many of us, we thought that voice was just me. How often do you talk to yourself in the second person? <laughs> like, you is going to preach today. I'm going to preach. The devil has a tell, and the other tell is this, not just second person. The devil always works through shame. The devil always works through shame. Shame and condemnation. You see, for a lot of people, they actually leave church, and they leave Christianity, and they say, you know what? I just felt the, the condemnation from people. I just felt that God was condemning me. I just felt shame. Guess what? Shame and condemnation never come from God. Why? Romans 8, chapter 1, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so anytime I feel shame, anytime I feel condemnation, like you are not enough, you will never be enough, that is not from above, that is from below. And every single time you hear a voice from below and it's the devil, you know what you can tell the devil? You can say, I know what you say, but I know what Jesus says. And what Jesus says is truth. And anytime you guys have heard this one, the devil tries to remind you of your past, you can remind him of his future. He loses. He's gone. He's done. He's a defeated foe. And for far too many of us, our minds are left unattended. And the old saying is that's the devil's playground. And so if you've been having those voices of shame, of condemnation, of you will never be victorious, I'm here to tell you today that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. And so when I feel that voice, I cast it out. You need to understand something. The devil works through condemnation. Jesus works through conviction. You know what conviction says? Conviction says, you are so loved, I have something better for you. Conviction says, that might be hurting you. I got something better for you. Conviction says, we'll get through this together, but you are still mine. And so you need to understand something. A lot of times, God works in the second person as well. So how do I distinguish? I need the word of God. The Bible is still one of the best weapons you have to fight against the enemy. Because I need to find out when someone says you'll always be worried, you'll always be anxious, what does Jesus say? He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. That's truth. Now for some of us, it's like, you know what, Harrison, my battle isn't just spiritual, it's, it's physical as well. Like, I, I got a disease, I'm sick, I have lower levels of dopamine, so on and so forth. So what do I do? Can I tell you really simple? You fight harder. You fight harder. For some of us in this room, we have no clue what worry is like. And for a lot of us, it's crippling. And so all that means is you fight harder. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, he talks about an affliction. We don't know what his affliction is. Let's say for the purpose, it was mental health. And he says, three times I prayed to God to take it away. And each time God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So listen, maybe it's not gonna be easy Maybe it's not one prayer and it's gone. Maybe it's a thorn in my flesh. But I'm here to tell you today, no matter what it is, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, all together, we still fight. We still fight. 
We don't give up because Jesus has something more for you. He does not want you to live in that way in shame, in worry, and anxiety, and so a fight harder. And you need to understand if worry isn't your thing, whatever your thing is that you're struggling against, fight harder. Harrison, I've been battling lust for 13 years. Keep fighting. Don't give up. It's not the end. Whatever it is, we keep fighting. We keep fighting. Jesus continues. Protect. We're more than physical, but he says this, 1224. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Now, Jesus uses the ravens, birds, as an object lesson and a metaphor. Um, when I was going through my message this morning, some birds came on my deck. It wasn't spiritual. I'm scared of birds. Uh, I really have no idea why I'm telling you guys that. Um, nothing to do with my sermon. Uh, <laughs> but I'll bring it back. Um, I don't care about birds. <laughs> but God does. <laughs> but Jesus says, think about birds. Birds have no capacity to live, to create, to reap, to sow like we do as people. He says, yet God still cares about them. God still provides for them. So how much more for us? So I, I want to speak something really quickly about physical. Because I know for a lot of us, it has been a hard season. And maybe it feels like I don't have enough. I've been laid off. been searching for work, whatever it is. I want you to understand something twofold. Number one, if you are reaping and you are sowing, if you are, if, sorry, if you are sowing, there's nothing to worry about. And what I mean by that is this. If you are doing all that you can do, you have nothing to worry about. If you are applying day after day, if you're doing your best to provide, you have nothing to worry about. Now, if you're not sowing, start to worry. If you're just praying, hoping to sow, hoping God will make something happen, start to worry. But a part of the reason we don't have to worry is because God is saying intrinsically, you as people have this instinct to go out, to do, to create. And so what he's saying is that when we go, you don't have to worry. Why? Because God can do more than you ever could. Because if I'm putting in all that I can do, God's going to do all he can do. And all he can do is so much more than we could ever do. You need to understand something. When I started this church, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I still don't really know. But one thing that God spoke to me is just do whatever you can, I'll do the rest. And any time I begin to feel like it's all on me, the pressure's all on me, if I don't do this, it's not going to happen, then my, I need to reorientate my life. And so if you are living in a way where you feel like you are ultimate provider, nothing happens without you, it's time to reorientate your life. Do what you can do. Give the rest to Jesus. Why? Because he cares about you. And he will provide for you. And so what he says in Luke 12, 25, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Here's the essence of what he's saying for those of us that worry, those of us are anxious. What does it really do? Does it add anything? No. Do we lose? Yeah. 
For a lot of us, we've actually lost seasons of our life to worry, to anxiety, to depression. Jesus says, worrying does not add anything to your life. In other words, worrying does not help. We live in a culture that, that, that says, we should worry, you need to worry. No, no, no. Jesus says, don't worry. But I love this thing. He says, you can't add an hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? Now, this stuck out to me. And the reason it stuck out to me is because at the end of the day, how many of us can add an hour to our life? We can't. We can't make our days 25 hours. So to be honest, that kind of seems like a big thing to add an hour to my life. But what Jesus is saying is that really big thing for you is not a big thing for me. So you want to know how I took that? That thing that we're worried about, that thing that's bogging us down, that seems really big, write this one down. What's big for us is little for God. What seems big for us is little for God. When we, can, when we follow Jesus, we need to understand something. We don't compare our problems to ourselves. We don't pro- pro- compare our problems to what's in front of us. We compare our problems to God. And our problems in comparison to the size of our God is incomprehensible because God is so much bigger. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you are stressed about, the thing that is constantly dominating your mind, Jesus is so much greater. And so what seems big for us is little for him. Kim, can you, can you come up here for a moment? We're going to close. Whatever it is, the size of your worry is nothing compared to God. The size of your debt is nothing compared to God. The size of your hopelessness dissipates in the one where hope is found, and that's Jesus. So Jesus concludes, Luke 12, 29. He says, don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such thing. But look at this part. He says, your father knows that you need them. So you need to understand something. It's not that Jesus doesn't care. He knows exactly what you need. He says, I know. I think you're, I know, I know, I know but seek my kingdom. And he says, all of these things will be given to you as well. Jesus knows. Whatever it is, that thing that feels too big, Jesus knows. That area you feel a deficit in, Jesus knows. And what he says, he says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Focus on me. Set your, things on, set your eyes on things above. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you. So I want to encourage us today, church. How do I fight against worry? I set my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who promises to provide every single need. And I want to finish with this. For those of us, if we feel like we're in a season where worry is overcoming us, anxiety is just heavy. And it's like, Harrison, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, but I feel hopeless. I feel like no one knows what I'm going through. I feel like no one knows what I'm feeling. One of the reasons that Jesus is so different than any thought, any God, any idea, is because the Bible says that Jesus is God incarnate. In other words, the word became flesh. And what the Bible says is the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. 
And so what that means is that when Jesus came to earth, Jesus experienced the very essence of what it means to be human. And on the cross, Jesus experienced and he felt every single thing that you have ever felt. Every hopelessness, every anxiousness, every fear, every worry, Jesus felt it on the cross. And so what the Bible lets us know is that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. But he is actually like us. He's experienced us. There's only one difference. He overcame. And so I want you to understand, church, if you feel like you're in a season right now, Jesus knows exactly what you feel like. He knows exactly what you've experienced. And you know what he says? He says, don't worry. He says, focus on me. Let's just stand for a second, church. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.